You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 146 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's episode, we preview what could be a spooky, because it's going to be on Halloween, high-scoring game as Virginia Tech plays at Louisville on Saturday. Episode 146 of the Tech Sideline podcast gets started right now. So great to have you with us, episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, whether you are watching live on YouTube or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. We are so glad you could join us today as we record on Thursday afternoon, October 29th. We've got our General Manager and Founder, Will Stewart with us, our Managing Editor, Chris Coleman, the best producer in the land. Yes, he is. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. He's taking your questions. For those of you watching live on YouTube, we will read those off at the end of the show for Will and Chris. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. This week and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, it is great to be with you as we stay dry uh, from the rainy conditions that we've experienced over the last 24 hours in Blacksburg. It has been wet, it has been yucky, and it looks like it's the end of the good weather. And that's why Will is wearing a <laughs> great-looking Virginia Tech uh, pullover right now, protecting him from the rain. The, the technical name is Wind Shirt, a wind shirt by a champion from Campus Emporium. As always, we'll drop the link down in the uh, video description. Now, this particular item is $79.99, which when you first think about it, you're like, man, that's a lot. And then you put this thing on, and, and it's it's really nice. It's lined. The pockets are lined. The pockets have zippers. The letters are, like, really nice, really you know, stitched on really well. And I'm warm over here, man. With this mask and this pullover on, uh, this this windshirt on, I am warm. So if, if I just kind of do this. Oh, and we just had lunch, too. We just ate pizza, so so if you see me kind of nodding off, just you know, throw something at me. You know, we also have a couple of other great Campus Emporium items that we have kept on the podcast set. Uh, for those listening, Will, you want to describe what we have decided to keep on the on the set? Well, we're not going to keep them. This is the end of the October featured items, so I got to return them after this podcast. We got the Stein over here sitting next to me, which is twenty two ninety nine. Very nice. And this is called a Heritage Banner, I think, that's hanging over my shoulder. 
and it's really cool. And I don't remember what it costs, but uh, we'll put links to all that stuff in the video and check them out. So, Will, you're styling and profiling, and Chris Coleman's over here wearing a very nice Tech Sideline shirt, yourself, by sure. the way. Yeah. So, which you can get on TechSideline.com. So. Yeah, we sh- we need to promote the TSL gear. It's uh, it's 50% off, but I can't remember the code right now. So, let's do that for the next <laughs> podcast. All right? Sounds good. Hey, <laughs> Real quick, before we dive into things, I always like to have a little bit of fun before the show gets started. It is Halloween on Saturday, and you know, I was listening to Tech Talk Live the other day, the Fun with Foo segment that John Laser does with Justin Fuente. Mm-hmm. And you know, the uh, Halloween is a big holiday in the Fuente household with his three daughters uh, every year. If you past couple of years at the Cinnable, that his girls have actually dressed up, and and people have given out candy. It's really neat, and I guess the the football team actually uh, engages with some of the younger kids of coaches so uh i thought we'd start off the podcast today i'm curious i think the tech sideline viewers and listeners want to know what was the best costume you ever wore for halloween growing up as a kid i'm gonna start with you chris i don't remember anything i wore as a kid come on no i seriously i don't you absolutely no as a child no i don't okay okay, up to when you now as an adult ask him as an adult how about as an adult so the best one that i actually can remember was there were five of us total and four of us were ghostbusters and one of us was kenny powers (laughs) and and, and so i mean there weren't five ghostbusters you can't quote any kenny powers lines on the tsl podcast you can't can't. Uh, i don't even know who kenny powers is so Oh. Uh, okay, guy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I do know a Ghostbusters. So, so uh, <laughs> there, there was part of our group that like weren't wasn't from Blacksburg. So, like, I went out a few days later, and the bartender said, "Hey." Egon and Kenny Powers didn't pay their tabs the other night. So, <laughs> so <coughs> I had to pay their tabs. There's a line you don't hear every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm curious. How about you? Adult or as a kid growing up? I, I mean, honestly don't remember, man. You see, I grew, up, I grew up back in the 70s, and we didn't put any effort into it. You just bought the plastic mask with the rubber strap and slapped that thing on your face, and you took it off pretty quick because they were – much like the masks we're wearing because of COVID, those things were hot, man. Your face would sweat and, and it'd start to stink in like five minutes. So, so you wouldn't even wear your mask. I do remember my brother one time uh, had a really cool Space Ghost outfit. Space Ghost Space was Space like, Ghost Coast to Coast? Yeah. I used to like that show. Yeah, he had, he had like the little wristbands that would do stuff. My, my favorite character was Brock. <laughs> I never watched it. No. I just remember seeing my brother's uh, um, Halloween costume. Like, gosh, I was like four years old. I remember, I remember where we lived, and I remember seeing it, and my little four-year-old brain just went, wow. So There's some, uh, there's some cool Brock videos on YouTube that you can watch. All right. Yeah. There you go. Well, if there's uh, anybody who wants to drop it in the uh, YouTube live chat, what you're going to be for Halloween this year, or any good memories, feel free to drop it. Uh, Virginia Tech playing at Louisville on Saturday on Halloween. Uh, we've actually seen on social media this week, Louisville put out a really unique uniform uh, reveal of um, like playing along with the uh, the Halloween theme, and Will's going to pull it up. We can talk about that a little bit later, but I think that'll be a, a common theme heading into the game on Saturday. Great to have you with us. Episode 146, Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Hokies going up against one of the best offenses in the ACC, one of the most dynamic offenses. We're going to break down the Louisville offense, the defense. We're going to get game predictions from Will and Chris in just a little bit. But we begin the podcast today 
by going back to 2005 when Malcolm and I were in the first grade. <laughs> the last time Louisville played Virginia Tech in football, the Gator Bowl, a 35-24 win for Virginia Tech, a physical football game, to say the least. Will, looking back on that game 15 years removed, what do you remember most about that game? So I remember that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, me and my buddy Richie Davis drove up to Harrisonburg and, and watched it. You were there? Yeah. I, uh, Sean Whitchurch was there. Remember? Whitchurch was I, there? I rode wow. up with Whitchurch, and we all went to the basketball game, and then we went to B-dubs. Or oh, something. that's right. We, Tech when, played basketball. Yeah, we played JMU in basketball that day. I don't remember that was before. I think I guess it was av- right after the Gator Bowl. Wow. I think we played uh, JMU in basketball in the, in the old convocation center. I, I always tell people I, I have – I have trouble remembering a lot of the things I've done in my life, and I definitely don't remember who I did them with. I'll be like, you ever see that movie? And the person will be like, I went with you. And I'm like, eh, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the movie, not you. <laughs> um, so uh, and so it was me and Chris and Sean Whitchurch, and we went up to Harrisonburg with Richie. And I think Richie's wife is from Harrisonburg, and he had to be there for Christmas or New Year's or whatever. So that's how it wound up being there. And do you remember where we watched it, Chris? It was in some it was, bar. It was, it was a wing joint. I don't know if it was beat ups or, or just a random one. I can actually remember the layout Me of too, the place. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember. And I think I guess the Gator Bowl was was a noon game. And then I think we played JMU basketball probably, probably four like four o'clock. o'clock. Yeah. yeah. And we just we so then we went to the basketball. And what I remember about the basketball game was <laughs> In that old convocation center, you actually had to – the players had to walk up stair a stairway to get to the locker room. Like the stairway was in the arena, and you could just watch the players walking up the stairs yeah. and then going back. It was a very odd layout. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, it was I, different. I liked that arena. You yeah. Know? yeah. Anyway. Um, so uh, the two teams were ranked something like 13th and 17th or something like that? Virginia Tech was ranked 12th, and Louisville was ranked 15th. So the Gator Bowl is a big deal back then. That, that that's a good matchup, and and Tech struggled for most of the game. And I remember uh, I remember thinking they were going to win anyway. You know, it's just just a matter of time. And that game is generally regarded as as an embarrassment to uh, to Virginia Tech. Um, you know, a, a Jimmy Williams bumped a ref and got thrown out, and and you know he didn't aggressively bump, and it, it just kind of happened. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Vick, of course, stomped on Elvis Doomerville, and and is isn't that i don't think that's what did marcus in it turned the tide oh, against him right. and then didn't he get oh busted? it was a few weeks after that when i think the whole <clears throat> he was driving to her from home and, and he got There's pulled some, over it's hard to remember everything <clears throat> that, that yeah. marcus did yeah but so that that turned things against marcus who was kind of on shaky ground to begin with and then i think if i remember correctly marcus got pulled over and there was marijuana in his vehicle which of course was an escalade that michael had bought for him um, and and that was the end of that for Marcus. He got kicked out of school. And I, I remember Tech did a press conference with, I think, Beamer, Weaver, Jim Weaver, the athletic director, and, and Charles Steger, the school president. Mm-hmm. I mean – how, how we, always, we always heard that it was Steger who stepped in and was and was basically like said that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Like I think they were going to originally suspend Marcus for like two games or something like that uh, in 2006, and I think Steger stepped in and said enough of this. Well, this Chris, is, is, is yeah. it isn't one of the things we found out over the years that Kevin Rogers, uh, <clears throat> who was the quarterbacks coach at the time, saw what Marcus yeah. did and wanted to take him well, out of the game. I remember Marcus coming to the sideline and Rogers was all over. <clears throat> Uh, that, that's how I remember it. I haven't watched the game since I watched it live. Why would but, you? But, but, yeah. but, but that's how I remember it. No, uh, I now, now, do you remember who one of the starting cornerbacks for Louisville was? 
Uh-uh. Uh, Rod Strong? Rod Smart? <laughs> Who was that? No, no, Rod Council. It was yeah, Rod something. Yes. Rod he was, Council. He was a Virginia Tech Rod D Council. Commit. He had three yep. tackles in the game. Okay. And he was a Virginia Tech commitment at one point <clears throat> until he was from Charlotte originally, I believe. And he was a committed to Virginia Tech until he broke into his own high school one night and stole a bunch of computers. And so he ended up at Louisville where they don't care about things like that. Oh, that's uh, a whole talk. You could do a whole uh, so, podcast on so, Louisville. So, so there were a lot of exemplary citizens playing in that game, buddy. Yeah. So the other thing that the game is memorable for is the beating that Louisville's quarterback took. Hunter Cantwell. I don't think Hunter was originally supposed to be the starter. He was a pretty good quarterback. And, man, the Tech defense just brutalized that guy all day long. Hunter Cantwell, 15 of 37 in that game, 216 yards, three touchdowns, but three picks. He was sacked four times. And, you know, there's been a picture that's been kind of trending in terms of hokey Twitter the last couple days that Will has engaged in. It's a picture of Justin Hamilton and Daryl Tapp both tackling (laughs) the quarterback, Hunter Cantwell. And there's a picture of – the gaw coming out of his the gauze, nose. gauze coming, out of, coming out of his nose coming out of his nose and who would have thought 15 years later that that's your defensive coordinator and your defensive, and your line, defensive coach line coach for virginia tech so kind of cool to look back on that in retrospect yeah um so we didn't have media access back then uh it's funny up until 2012 the only place that granted tech sideline media access was west virginia did it twice and the gator bowl actually did it once in 2001 they let us have a no i was actually in the press box for that um, the one following the 2001 season. Uh, but we have pictures from that game because Russian Hokey, Ivan Morozov, used to, uh, he'd just go and carry his camera into the stands and shoot from the stands. And so Cantwell, Cantwell just got beat to death. There would be several tech guys thrown out of the game for targeting in this day and age. Um, and so by then, Evan, he had, he'd, he'd taken a big shot across the nose and his nose was bleeding. So they just stuffed these, uh, you know, almost like cigarette filters, you know, these gauze <laughs> things up in both sides of his nose. And then they hit him again. And then that hit you in that picture that Yvonne took, you can, I circled the piece of gauze flying out of his nose. And Hunter Cantwell earned the undying respect of Virginia Tech fans that day for the brutalizing he took. And he just kept getting up and going back at it. Every time he dropped back to pass, it was either completed for 40 yards or he was sacked. It just there wasn't a whole lot of in between. So again, it's been it's been 15 years since Virginia mm-hmm. Tech and Louisville played. This is the last team Virginia Tech has had to play since Virginia uh, the ACC expanded uh, a couple of years ago. So, last thing about this game though, when Virginia Tech and Louisville played, when Virginia Tech won the Gator Bowl, you look at the names of players that played in that game and the NFL careers no. that they had. I mean, again, so Marcus Vick. Quickly got brief, to the end of, uh, brief briefly. With the Miami Cup of Dolphins. coffee. Uh, Cedric Humes. Uh, by the way, in that game, I do want to bring up twenty-two carries, one hundred thirteen yards on the ground, and a touchdown. Nice. nice. Uh, but think about the five, uh, the four people who carried the football in the game: Cedric Humes, Brandon Orr, Marcus Vick, Justin Harper. Uh, receiving wise, David Clowney had a career in the NFL with the New York Jets. Um, Jeff King caught uh, three balls. Career. He had a long career, especially with the. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. Eddie Royal, folks, played in that game. He had mm-hmm. two receptions for one yard. The, mo- <laughs> the most underutilized player in Tech mm-hmm. history. And then defensively anyway. for Tech in that game, Vince Hall, Xavier Deby, um, uh, Jimmy, Justin Jimmy Hamilton, Daryl Tapp, Jimmy Williams, Brandon Flowers. I mean, those are um, all names that made it to the, the NFL. The, uh, the offensive line had Will Montgomery, who started for uh, the Redskins for years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So lots of lots of big names. And then, of course, for Louisville, uh, Elvis Doomerville went on to have a really good, good NFL career, yeah. career. So, Well, Chris told me once upon a time, uh, years ago, he was like, oh, man, that 2005 team is the most talented oh, team yeah. we ever had. It was loaded. And, and up until Chris said that, it had never occurred to me. Um, but, yes, it was. And I mean, we had Brandon Flowers backing up Jimmy Williams, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, that was just mm, so deep. Last thought on this game. When you look back on that Gator Bowl game, Virginia Tech and Louisville, is that one of the most physical, chippy Virginia Tech football games you can remember? I I, I would guess so. Um, you know, chippy from the standpoint of Virginia Tech did two or three things to embarrass the university that day, the, the players <laughs> that they put out on the field. Was, can can you look up look up how many penalties Virginia Tech had? Um, I just remember, you know, I, I think Jimmy. Do you remember when Jimmy got thrown out, Chris? It was in the first half. I want to say it was the first quarter. I want to say Louisville went up to like fourteen to three, and that's when he got kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Virginia Tech had seven penalties for ninety three yards. So there weren't a lot of them, but, but that's they were the- an average of fourteen yards. Thirteen yards of penalty. <laughs> we averaged every penalty was basically a personal basically foul. a fifteen yarder. <laughs> There's probably a holding thrown in there to bring the total down a little bit. <laughs> well, again, on today's episode, episode one hundred forty six of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll preview the twenty twenty game between Virginia Tech and Louisville. I want to start with some news that came out earlier in the week, and it involves Virginia Tech's defensive line, coached by uh, Daryl Tapp, of course, who played in that two thousand five game. Taiwan Garbett uh, back with the Virginia Tech team. He started 11 games last year. He's one of the most experienced defensive linemen that Virginia Tech has. Chris, while he's not going to play this week, what does that mean for the Virginia Tech defensive line moving forward? Mm, well, it helps with depth. Uh, but the fact of the matter is Taiwan Garbett is a defensive end for the old scheme who has not practiced one day in the new scheme. Yeah. So quite frankly, I just don't see it having an impact this year. If it does, it'll be very late in the season. Right. So okay, there we go. Very brief. Let's uh, transition. And fans, fans don't want to hear that. Fans want, to, oh, Taiwan Garbett's back, yay! Mm, oh, and I like Taiwan Garbett. Like, yeah, we like him. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, that guy. I, I specifically, he works really hard. Like, I specifically watched him in the Notre Dame game last year when right. I was up in South Bend, and he worked so hard to get to the quarterback in that game, and he made some big plays for Tech last year in the. In the Wake Forest game. Was it him you were showing me a picture the other day where the Notre Dame guy was taking his head oh, off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was like, was like had one hand on the top of his head and another hand right here and was just doing that. Just twisting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a brutal sport, man. So, like, we like Ty Gar, but. But, but he's not going to be playing 30 a, snaps two he, weeks from right, now. Right, right. He's know, a, the bottom line, he's a 6'1", 240-pound defensive end yeah. that isn't really built for this scheme. And he hasn't practiced it. He hasn't practiced any football at all, that, at all. since since December. Yeah. So have extremely low expectations. But it is good to have him back. It is nice to have him back. It's good for him. Yeah. Speaking of the defensive line, before we transition into Louisville, missing the first half of this week will be Gerard Hewitt because he was ejected in the second half of the Wake Forest game. Who will get the majority of his snaps, uh, do you expect? If it's not Fuga, then it should be. Um, then, we're, then we're storming the gate with pitchforks. Fuga is the best fit for this scheme. He's Virginia Tech's highest grading defensive tackle this year. Uh, he's 6'2", 323 pounds. He's, he's the only defensive tackle on this team that is actually a physical fit for any other defense besides the old Tech defense. So... The funny thing is, like, I wasn't that high on Fuga coming out of high school because I was like, I didn't think he was a good fit for the old scheme, the Wiles right. Foster scheme. 
But now I'm really glad Tech signed him because I think he's he's a good fit for what they're trying to do now. Uh, not only do I think he sh- do, do I think he should start this weekend with, with Hewitt out. I mean, I think he should start start the rest the, the of the rest year. of the season. And he he was he was a late offer, right? Extremely late offer. I believe it was John Yetzi on the Tech recruiting staff who kept pushing for Fuga to get offered, and uh, they didn't necessarily offer him because they thought he was a big time playmaker. It's because they looked at his entire senior film. And he never came off the field. And so he was playing every snap, every game on both sides of the ball, I think. And he only got beat on one play the entire season, I think, is... is So, so, so like, he was uh, one of those guys. He should be tired. You are... If that you're a big guy like Fuga, you got to play every snap. There's going to be what you would think a few times during the course of every game, probably where you might take a play off here and there just to catch your breath. He never did. He kept playing hard and only lost one snap the entire season. So Evan, when when people talk about oh so and so Clemson and Alabama have 30 guys on their recruiting staff, and you're like, well, what do those people do? Not everybody can text or or send birthday cards to recruits. <laughs> That's one of the things they can do. You know, anybody can look great in a highlight film. You know, Chris and I watched the highlight film this morning where the guy looked outstanding. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what he's doing all the other plays. Correct. And if you can tell a guy, hey, we like this guy. Why don't you sit down and get together all of his film and just take a couple of days and watch right. all of it and tell me what you think. Does he complain to the refs? Does he does he lay on the field when he's not really hurt? You know, does he do does he do all those does things? Does he take plays off? Things yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Fuga didn't and, and he he also played for a good team. I think they played for the state championship. They, uh, they lost it though, right? Yes. To Highland Springs. I forget. Yeah, I think he's from Freedom High School. No, Is that, no, he's from Freedom. I think they lost to Manchester. <clears throat> It, well, that was the year, yeah. at, uh, for those that follow 804 High School football, Manchester was in 6A with uh, Brennan Clark, their quarterback, committed and, to Notre Dame. And we had tech out an offensive lineman. Uh, Jesse Hansen, I believe his name? No, it wasn't. He was from Roanoke. He was wasn't he? Yeah, he was from Roanoke. The, the one group. from Richmond had to give up football because of concussions. But he was he was the starting interior lineman on that, on that wow. Manchester yep. That's team. Right. And yeah. Corey Van Dyke did an excellent right. story. And they went head-to-head, this offensive lineman that signed with Tech and Fuga. In that game, right. yeah. and then you had Highland Springs in five A. It was actually, I think, one of the best years of uh, Richmond high school football in quite some time. And unfortunately, Highland Springs did not get to play Manchester that year. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, really good memory on that. Um, let's transition and talk about this this Louisville team. First of all, I think it's important to, to take a take a step back and look at the job that Scott Satterfield has done. You go back to 2018. Louisville was two and ten. Hire Scott Satterfield last year. They go eight and five, five and three in ACC play. There were high expectations for this Louisville team coming into 2020. Started off the season with a 35-21 win against Western Kentucky, and then four straight losses: a 47-34 loss to Miami, a 23-20 loss to Pittsburgh, a 46-27 loss at Georgia Tech, and then a 12-7 loss to Notre Dame and South Bend. However, they bounced back by putting up 48 points on Florida State, who was coming off of a high of beating then number five North Carolina. Chris, this offense is known for being explosive. When you look at this Louisville team at two and four on the season, what should we make of this team? Probably one that should be better than two and four, um, which e- either which could mean that they're about to explode and go on a run, or that there's a reason to why they're two and four, right? Um, I know they're, they're Cunningham, their quarterback's numbers are down. Atwell, their receivers, his numbers uh, 
or down slightly from a yards per catch standpoint. Uh, Cunningham's already thrown as many interceptions as he did all of last year. So they're just they're not their defense is better than it was last year. It's still not great by any stretch. It's very very mediocre. It's it's pretty darn experienced. Though, uh, so. It is. It's a ton of seniors. Which so you would think it would be better, but. I just, but it's just not. So, so I just, I just, <laughs> maybe either some of these guys aren't great fits for this scheme, or they've uh, their old coach just didn't recruit well at the end of his. Did he replace Petrino? Was that Petrino's he, he second did. tenure? Man, you you don't know. You're you're doing some bad stuff to your football program if you hire Petrino. Yeah, yeah. So know. like, I don't. I guess Petrino maybe didn't recruit well uh, towards the end. I, you know, they got two middle linebackers, two inside linebackers. Both seniors, and they're, it's their two worst players on defense. Hey, let, me, let me jump in with something before I forget it. So Malik Cunningham last year, uh, his uh, pass efficiency rating was a 194.2 or That's something like, like that. like Michael Vick freshman year level. Hey, Michael Vick was actually once – I looked it up. Cunningham was uh, 194.2 last year. Vick was 179.2. That was a freshman record. That was something like the best – the second best pass efficiency rating ever. ever. Yeah. So that tells you how the game has changed in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Completion percentages have gone up, et cetera. Um, but to get back to Cunningham, that one, one, 194.2, he played in 12 games and he had 179 pass attempts. You need – in order to qualify for NCAA stats, you need 15 pass attempts a game. That would have been 180 attempts. So he was one attempt short of mm. qualifying to be in the official NCAA stats. And here's the punchline. If he had qualified, he would have finished number two in the country in passing efficiency behind uh, Joe well, Burrow, Joe the Burrow. eventual Heisman Trophy winner. All I was, I was thinking is Bobby Bear. <laughs> like, why would I think of Bobby Bear? Why he played, would you think He of played that? for the Saints down there. Half know. the people watching this podcast have no idea like, who you're talking about. What are you about? talking about? But no, Kevin he would, doesn't know who you're talking He would have about. finished second behind Joe Burrow. <laughs> But I do know what office space Bo- Bo- is now. Bobby, right. Bobby Bear would have been an ideal quarterback for the Jets, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a nobody. Doesn't really do anything. So let's talk about Malik Cunningham <laughs> real quick. You mentioned how good he was last year. He was a huge reason why Louisville went from 2-10 and 10 to 8-5 and five under yeah. first-year coach Scott Satterfield. His numbers in 2019, Cunningham completed 62% of his passes, 2,061 yards, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. Numbers so far this year, 62.9% completion percentage, so this, about the same. Uh, just over 13, uh, nearly 1,400 passing yards. 12 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So, Chris, it does feel like Cunningham has been more turnover prone mm-hmm. here in 2020 compared to 2019. It certainly has. Uh, now, especially their first four games, their last two, not so much. So, that's... Yeah, they were they were a minus eight turnover ratio in their first four right. games, and they're even in their last two games. Right, and so, and they've only turned it over once in their last two games. And you know, as we've found out the last couple of weeks, turnovers they can be kind of unpredictable. Yeah, like Boston College comes into the Tech game, what ranked first in turnover? Margin? No, but they were up there. They, they were, were up, they were they were a top, top ten. Yeah, and then they turned it over five and times. And, and then and then Tech has been really good at turnover margin, and then they go down to Wake Forest and turn it over three times. Yeah. And now Wake Forest is number one in the country in turnover margin, and they'll probably have four this week against whoever they play if, if that trend if keeps they, up. Yeah. Uh, but so you, you just can't even even if a team turns it over a lot. Remember Duke came into that game turning it over a ton, right? And, and we were like, but, but we knew that wasn't going to last. We were like, they're due to have a game where they don't turn it over, right? And yeah, they only had one that game, so yeah. you can't necessarily put, 
you can't you can't expect turnovers to continue to go as as they're going. So maybe so they didn't continue to go poorly for U of Louisville. Maybe they'll maybe it'll flip back now. Who knows? Um, yeah. It's like when I make predictions, I for like game previews, I generally throw out the turnover stuff. Yeah, like, when when you make predictions, you 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 don't assume big special teams plays or, or penalties. You know? I've never written a prediction where I was like, Tech is going to force five turnovers and win 40 to 14. It's rare. No, no some of those old Duke teams in the ACC, you could do that. Like before Cutcliffe that. got there. Yeah. You know, that you, you, could, you could do that back then because they were just so awful at quarterback. Um, but but now passing games have gotten so advanced that uh, you, can't, you just can't look at a team and be like, oh, man, they're going to get out talented and they're going to have be swamped with turnovers. You, you can't really do that anymore. Yeah. One other thought on Malik Cunningham. Mentioned how he's thrown five interceptions this year. That's as many as he threw in 12 games last season. One stat that I found very interesting that is part of uh, Chris's game preview that's available right now on TechSideline.com is that he hasn't been very accurate this year. His accurate throw rate is 46.6%, which ranks 13th in the ACC. Chris, as you said, in other words, he makes a good throw less than 50% of the time. Right with his receivers having to wor- uh, work hard to catch many of his passes. Right. So if Tech's defensive backs can really stay on those receivers tight and that ball comes in behind them, and it'll it, you can make it very difficult catch. for them to catch those passes if, if you're all over them. Now, if you're, if you're sitting back loose and that guy's got plenty of room, then, yeah, he can twist back and make m- make a tough catch. But if you're on him, uh, then it's going to be difficult. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of coverage Tech comes out and plays this week because you obviously with a guy like Tutu Atwell, um, not a very big guy, 5'9", 165 pounds, but a, a big-time player, definite deep threat, a guy who can take up the distance anytime he takes the ball. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you kind of you want to leave that guy a cushion to a certain extent, right? Uh, so it'll it'll be – Interesting to see how you know? Tech plays it. So, so one one thing you might do is, for example, play tight man coverage and blitz the quarterback. Because the other thing about Cunningham is mm-hmm. he only completes twenty eight percent of his passes under pressure. But when you play that sort of game, he also runs a lot. You know, he scrambles, scrambles a lot. Yeah. You know, so so you're running that risk that if if you pressure him and he, and he gets through your rush, he's going to do a lot of damage to you. He's only averaging 2.7 yards per carry this year. Compared, compared to 4.0 last year. Last year. Uh, they don't do designed runs with him very often. Uh, sorry, I was looking at something out the window. <laughs> but anyway, it's a giant bird with his wing spread. It's That's when you need a fifth camera. Yeah, that's TSM when we, we probably should start closing the shades for podcasts <laughs> when I get distracted by things like that. You look <laughs> a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it can be easy for the tech defense to get distracted by the passing game and forget about the running ability, the running ability of Cunningham. Ability of, of Cunningham. So tech has struggled with mobile quarterbacks, you know, last year and kind of in recent years. I, I think the way they're playing their defensive ends now uh, and the new scheme in general, I think is going to be a little, uh, it's going to be more conducive. More contain, to containment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, but Right now, from just from a pure personnel standpoint, I really worry about Tech's athleticism at linebacker with exactly. a scrambling quarterback. Right. Um, like I bet Tisdale can match up fine, but like if you get like Ashby can't, Ashby can't run right now. Like, like you saw it against Wake Forest last week. Uh, uh, the Wake Forest quarterback, he's not a 
He, Hartman he, ran past him, yeah. Yeah, and that guy had came in the game with minus 45 rushing yards. Right. And Ashby couldn't keep up with him on the edge. So I, you, I really worry about Ashby in this game when, when Cunningham scrambles. I don't think he'll be able to tackle him in the open field. And when Ashby and Dax are on the field together, like if Tisdale is, is not in the game, I, I think Tisdale has to be in the game all the time. Like, so, so like, like if you want to play Dax, get him a few snaps, get him to give Ashby a break at Mike. But I right. don't think Tisdale can come off the field in a game like this. So they, they used to put spies on the quarterbacks. They used to take a linebacker and, 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 you know, back when mobile quarterbacks weren't as common. And they would take their, their most athletic linebacker and say, you pay attention to the quarterback and that's it. Mm-hmm. But they, that's not a thing anymore, right? Because passing games have become so sophisticated. No, you, you can still do it. I think it depends on your personnel. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Oh, like if I had Tremaine Edmonds, uh, I'd I'd be spying the heck out of mobile quarterbacks, man. Uh, that that might actually be a good strategy. Or Xavier Adibi. Yeah, right. Xavier was a guy. Somebody great like that. Tackle. You can tell him to spy, or you could just you can just give him a lot of freedom and say, if we want you to spy him, but but if you see an opening, if you think you can get a sack, go after him. Yeah. Um, I, I would. It depends on how much you trust the player to make the right decisions. But from a pure athletic standpoint, like I, I, I could see a guy like Edmonds playing spy in, in a game like this and being very effective. But you know, Chamari Connor might be good at that. Yeah, maybe. But the thing is, you need to be you need to be an inside guy to be a spy. Right. You, you can't be the slot corner, which is basically what he is. Because what if the guy scrambles the other side of the field? You can't exactly shadow him. Over there, right? Uh, so it, it has to be one of those inside linebackers. Okay. And previewing Virginia Tech at Louisville this Saturday on Halloween, episode 146 of the Tech Sideline podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. We're analyzing this really talented Louisville offense. And we talked a lot about their quarterback, Malik Cunningham, rightfully so. He's talented, he's explosive. So is their running back in Javian Hawkins, who had a great redshirt freshman campaign last year. He ran for over 1,500 yards, averaged 5.8 yards per carry. And this year, 693 yards, averaging 6 yards per carry. And, he, you know, as you said in your game preview, and I completely agree, he's one of the best running backs in this conference. And that says a lot, especially yeah. the running backs Virginia Tech has seen over the last couple of Oof. weeks. Michael Carter of North Carolina, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third of Wake Forest last week. Javante Christian Beal Smith. I was going to say they did a really good job against, uh, uh, against Ken, uh, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker and I didn't think they would. But they didn't do such a good job against uh, Christian Bill Smith. Smith, Bill yeah. Smith. So, well, let me ask you: Given how Wake Forest ran the football last week against Virginia Tech, and then you've got another good running back in Hawkins you're facing this week, how concerned are you about Virginia Tech being able to stop the run this Saturday? I'm, I'm concerned. It, we, we've talked about this, and we pretty much agree that that Louisville, if they if they hold to, to form to pattern, they're gonna hit you with a 75-yard touchdown run or touchdown pass and then go three and out three times in a row and then hit you with a 60-yard touchdown yeah. play. So uh, consistently stopping the run, I don't know. Um, giving up big plays, that that can happen. You, you were talking about uh, Christian Beal Smith. Fu just basically said he, he busted it like a big 58-yarder or something earlier just because somebody made a bad run fit. So one, one of the young guys who hasn't played much, I, I don't know. You know, on that play, if I remember about. that play correctly, uh, uh Divine Diablo just just accelerated into the gap and took on a blocker as if he was expecting someone else to be there to to get the running back. Mm-hmm. 
and that person never appeared. So that's probably the play Foo's talking about, right. you know. Um, but I just, uh, hmm. I, I'm I'm just more worried about the big plays than I am consistent drives down the field. I'll answer sure. it that yeah, way. Well, Chris, let me, uh, before you jump in here, I do want to mention what you put in your game preview where the Cardinals rank nationally in terms of big plays generated. 10-plus yard plays, number 16 in the country. 20-plus yard plays, number 8 in the country. 30-plus yard plays, number 10 in the country. And plays over 40 yards or more, number 6. Right, and the what's country. their total offense ranking? I think I put it in there somewhere. Not that great. Not that good. I think it's like 42nd. They rank 43rd nationally Four, in total offense. 43rd. But and the Hokies rank 21st for okay, comparison. For comparison. All right, so so they're middle of the pack in total offense, 416 yards a game, yet they're t- top 10 basically in big plays generated. They will hit you with a big plays. So when you say they'll hit you with a 70-yard gain, touchdown, and then go three and out for three or four straight possessions and then hit an 80-yard touchdown – that's pretty yeah, much that, it. <laughs> that's what those numbers indicate, man. Uh, so this is going to be one of those games that you're watching, and there's going to be, I think, a lot of peaks and valleys for the Virginia Tech defense. There, there's As a fan, you're going to be like, there's going to be parts of the game where you're really happy with how the defense is playing, and then they're going to give up like a 70-yard, 5-yard play, nah. and you're and you're going to be mad at them then. But that's that's just kind of the nature of what, what Louisville does. And I don't, I don't know why they're inconsistent. Like I said, Cunningham's numbers aren't quite as good. Uh, I, I think it's just sheer athleticism. Uh, uh, you know, from, from from a big play standpoint, yes, but I don't know why they're not as consistent offensively as right, they were last right. year. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you can be a good athlete and not be a good football player. Yeah, but he was a better football player last year. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't know if the film got out. But it's 2020, man. For all you know, they didn't get to go through spring either. For all I know, he had COVID in the preseason, and a bunch of his receivers were out. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of individual players whose performances dropped way off. Right, and, right. And, so yeah, that could be it. We don't know how. And I, I've said that like I'm not going to be very critical of teams this year, you know, including Tech, because there's just so much about each team that we don't know don't with know. regards to who's been out, how long they were out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Like, I sit here and say Cunningham has regressed. Atwell's not as good last year. But there might be some darn good reasons for that that we just don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, as as Cunningham has struggled, I mean, we mentioned how, you know, his completion percentage is down. He's thrown five picks this year, which was the most he threw last year in 12 games. But as we mentioned a moment ago, I mean, Javian Hawkins is having as good a season yeah. on pace as he did last year. And I want to spend a moment talking about 2-2 Atwell because – uh, last week we talked a lot about Ja'Cory Roberson, the number one receiver for Wake Forest, and he certainly had an impact on the game. Not quite as big an impact as he's capable of, but 2-2 Atwell. Let me read you the numbers here for Louisville's number one receiver. Last year caught 70 passes for over 1,200 yards and averaged 18.2 yards per catch coming in today, uh, coming into Saturday. 32 receptions, 450 yards. He's averaging 14 yards a catch and five touchdowns. I mean, Will... He's almost averaging a first down and a half every time he catches the football. Uh, you look at Virginia Tech's corners. I mean, anybody in particular you think might match up well against Atwell? Mm, not really. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know if Waller's going to play or not. I don't get the impression that he is. Um, Dorian Strong, uh, he, he'll be there someday. You know, but uh, um, not not every down yet because he's so young i don't know i think he's pretty much i think he played all but five snaps against Wake. well i mean to stay with him every single play yeah yeah, you know that's a tall order for anybody 
It's it's interesting. He's a he's a slot receiver sized guy. He's five nine one sixty five. I actually don't know if they play him in the slot or outside or what. I would assume in the slot. And so you know, fifteen yards a catch for a guy in the slot is that's a, that's a lot of yards. Last year was eighteen. Yeah, exactly. that's what I'm saying. And, His numbers are down. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing that Louisville's actually played six games. Um, they're one of the. I don't know if I should say one of the few teams in the country to play six games, but the wow. you know Virginia Tech's know. played five. Yeah. And there are a lot of teams that have played less than six. So he's basically halfway through the season. And and you said he had 70 catches last year. He's got 32 right now. And he's kind of on the same pace there. Uh, and at this point, I'm just rambling. So I, I, don't, I don't know that Tech has a guy that can really hang with him the whole game. I want to, I want to wrap up the offense because we do need to transition to the defense and get a break in here in a minute. But, Chris, I'm going to use a baseball analogy real quick. Is it fair to use this analogy – Louisville's offense is like a relief pitcher who throws 99. He either throws strikes or he's going to walk guys on four pitches. You know, is you, that a fair comparison? You could say that. And, and maybe uh, the other comparison for baseball is, is one of those home run lineups that if they don't hit home runs, they're not going to produce any runs mm. because everybody, you know, nobody hits for a high average. They don't draw walks. Uh, Nobody's like a real speed guy on the bases, right? So it's tough for them to like generate runs when they aren't hitting homers. So, so you know, you you could maybe say if they don't hit homers against Tech, they they don't have a habit of like driving the length of the field on eight, nine, ten play drives and things like that. So you never know what you're going to get from me, but when you guys have that discussion, I think about a book I read as a kid. There was there was a there was an author when I was a kid, Matt Christopher, and he wrote sports books, mm-hmm. and uh, he wrote a book called "The Kid Who Only Hit Home Runs," and it was about this kid who wasn't a very good hitter, and then uh, and then an old man came and sat on a bench to watch him play one day, and he called the kid over and gave him a bit of advice, and all the kid did after that was hit home runs, and that old man came to every single game. And then, of course, at the end of the book, the old man doesn't show up in the championship game, yeah. and the kid goes out and hits a home run anyway. Just came to mind. I don't know if any of your older readers out there read any Matt Christopher stuff when they were a I've kid. I've heard of Matt Christopher. Really? Yeah. I Man, I used to go down to the, the – this is when I was young, when we lived in Radford, when I was 5 to 10 years old. Man, I used to go down to the library and look for those Matt Christopher books and read them. Is it, is, it, is it time for a break now? I think it's <laughs> I think it's time for a break now. But uh, the headline I'm coming back with to preview the Louisville defense that Chris used in his game preview. Defense, better than first glance. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we look at the Louisville defense, we get game predictions, and we get to your questions on YouTube Live. You're watching and listening to episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go, Hokies. Welcome back in episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It is great to have you with us. A reminder, the Tech Sideline Podcast also brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. For more on how you can help Virginia Tech Wrestling, be sure to go to southeastrtc.com. Evan Hughes back with you, along with Chris Coleman, 
Will Stewart, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. He is behind the scenes taking your YouTube live questions for the end of the show. And we uh, just checked the comments section in between our break, and we had a very special a comment special guest. from Dorian Strong's dad. <laughs> so, uh, he, he appreciated the uh, kind or the shout-out that we talked about him yeah. or a couple of podcasts ago. So, uh, Mr. Strong, thanks so much for watching. We appreciate your support. So first of all, uh, there was a little bit of confusion. We were not saying that Dorian's five nine one sixty five. That's uh, was it. Who who were you talking about? Hawkins or Atwell? We we're talking Atwell. about Atwell, Atwell. the receiver for Louisville. Yeah. So secondly, uh, you realize we can never ever be critical of Dorian Strong now, right? Because his dad listens to the podcast. And he's his huge. Dad, and his dad's a bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> so Dorian, please don't ever make a mistake. <laughs> Let's transition now. We spent a lot of time talking about the Louisville offense, rightfully so. They're explosive. But the defense, the headline that Chris used in the game preview, which, again, is available on TechSideline.com. It's a terrific read. It'll really get you ready for the game on Saturday. Chris, you said better than first glance. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, if you look at a couple of their games when they gave up 46 to Georgia Tech, and, and how many did they give up? Uh, similar Miami, number to Miami, or And they gave up 12 to Notre Dame. So, right, right. So you, you know they, they played terrible defense last year, and then they kind of start this season off giving up 47 in their second game and then 46. And so you're like, yeah, that's just not a good defense. But they've played better since then, and a lot of their numbers are – very middle of the pack ish, so to speak. Uh, but you know they've got a lot of seniors, so they're experienced. But if you've got a lot of seniors and you're still not like better than average, that just means you lack talent. Something right, most there. likely. Yeah. So I just I don't think they're all that talented on defense, but they are experienced. Uh, but I do think Tech will will move the football and score points on them. So uh, the. And unfortunately, I don't know the specifics of it. I know they held Notre Dame to 12 points. I don't know anything about Notre Dame other than as I, as I listen to Sirius XM and they talk about Notre Dame, they talk about how Notre Dame cannot throw the football downfield. It's their offensive weakness. They have a good running game, but they can't go downfield with the passing game. Well, they also got knocked out of COVID during the middle of the season. Okay. And that's well, extremely difficult. Uh, so, so yeah. who, but who does that sound like? Right. You know, Virginia Tech is also a team that's known as more of a running team and hasn't thrown the ball downfield yet. So... I don't know if it was just it was just one of those days for Notre Dame, including COVID. Or uh, you know, Notre Dame is. Uh, I I. You know, almost picked Tech to beat them last year, and uh, I, I picked Notre Dame to win a really close game. And I remember saying on the podcast that I would pick Tech to win the game if if I thought if Hendon Hendon was, was the quarterback. Because yeah. Notre Dame is one of those offenses. You know that they they very much rely on the traditional running game, and the quarterback's not a factor in the running game. They're just they're such a traditional offense, I think that you kind of know what you're going to get. And sure enough, Tech's defense went up there and except for the final Played drive, well. shut them down. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do think they're 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 a little more simple than than like the Virginia Tech offense, okay. so, so to speak. Tech's offense is more dynamic. Not to say Tech is better or worse or anything like that, but they're more dynamic for sure. Uh, a couple of uh, notes. You mentioned how big plays are a big strength of the Louisville offense to weakness of the Cardinals' defense. 40 yards or more, 40-plus um, yard plays, number 86 in the country. 30-plus yard plays, number 82 in the country. Mm -hmm. And 10-plus yard plays, number 88 in the country. So, Will, we thought last week could be a high-scoring game between Virginia Tech and Wake Forest, and <laughs> turned out it wasn't. Right. Does well, this game still feel like it could be a high-scoring game, given 
it would be interesting to hear those stats for Wake Forest because we knew Wake Forest was a good tackling team, mm-hmm. and they try to keep you in front of them. So they probably don't give up a lot of big plays. Um, maybe we'll get this week what we're expecting, which which is a high-scoring game with a lot of chunk plays. Uh, um, what's, what's not relayed in those stats there, are they giving up big passing plays or big running plays or both? You'd prefer they give up big running plays, which is what Virginia Tech was getting early in the year. I could have done that, but I didn't. I well, that's all right. You know, there's a limited amount of time. Yeah. A couple of other numbers about the Louisville defense. They're number 44 in the country. They're allowing 383 yards a game. That's this, not a lot. That doesn't sound like a lot to me. Here's how Pro Football Focus ranks them against other ACC programs. Overall defensively, number eight. So middle of the pack, rushing, number seven, tackling, number seven, pass rush, number 10, and coverage, number nine. So on paper, Chris, this seems like a, a middle-of-the-road defense. Nothing. At all levels. Uh, it, it, yeah, right. Well, it's exactly pretty much what Wake Forest seemed like last week. Except right? for the tackling. Wake Except was like Wake, the... Wake was much. Wake was number one in tackling. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. In the conference. I knew, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say this is a week where Tech should be able to move the football. I thought, um, like, Raheem uh, Herbert uh, – I called him Raheem Herbert. Raheem Herbert. Um, we knew I'm, what you I'm meant. combining both our running backs. Uh, Khalil Blackshear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Khalil Herbert versus Wake Forest was an interesting matchup. Uh, they did miss some tackles on him. Uh, but yes. there were other times where we were like, man, that was a really good tackle. So I think yeah. from a from a tackling standpoint uh, to a breaking tackle standpoint, I thought that was a – I thought both teams kind of broke even yeah. last week. Uh, I think Tech will, will do fine offensively this week. Uh, I think uh, they're not going to have the turnovers and the penalties. Um, and Justin Fuentes' tenor, we're, we're going to throw out 2018 because it was all freshmen and that he had to put on the field. But in the other years of his tenure, Tech has only lost two games in a row twice. Once in 2017, and then last year, and last year with uh, UVA in the, the bowl game. But that was a whole month in between, really right? Really close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anytime Tech has lost a football game under Fuente, and there was a fixable reason for the loss, and in this case, it was turnovers and penalties. Uh, even if you, even if even if you with some of the bad execution up front, if you take out the turnovers and the penalties, Tech wins that game fairly easily. Uh, so he's fixed things like that before. Whenever there's like a blip on the radar, yeah, right? Yeah. And so if history holds, Tech will play a much cleaner football game this Saturday offensively than than they did this past week. Right. And if they, and and if they do that, they'll score points on Louisville. Yeah, and uh, and so to put the penalties in perspective, Tech had 10 penalties for 112 yards. The 10 ties the most under Fuente. That was against uh, Cincinnati in the Military Bowl. And for those of you who listen only, I'm spouting this off the top of my head. I'm not looking this up. And 112 yards was the most. So in, in the – what are we talking, 60 games he's coached at Tech now? Mm, whatever, you know, 50 or 60 games. That's the worst game they've had penalty-wise. Chris is right, that will not happen again. If you look at Tech's penalties per game, it's something like four and three and five in the first three games, then seven in the fourth game against Boston College, and then 10 against Wake Forest. I just don't think that's going to continue. Yeah, now, now that we've said it's not going to happen two weeks in a row, 
Ugh. Well, they're also never going to rush for 300 yards again. Right. Reverse mojo. It's <laughs> reverse mojo, folks. That's true. There are two players on the Louisville defense that I want to highlight. I want to start with defensive tackle Jared Goldwire, who's a six foot six, 305 pound senior. He's going to line up at nose tackle over Tech Center. Brock Hoffman and Chris, you've mentioned in previous weeks how Hoffman has been the lowest grader for a couple or a couple of weeks. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but um, compared to other Tech offensive linemen, he hasn't graded mm-hmm. out as well. Right. Uh, last week, it felt like Carlos Boogie Basham had his way at times against Tech's offensive line. How important is that matchup of Goldwire against Hoffman up front in the trenches? Yeah, it's an important one. Um, now, you know, Tech will will double team and things like that with, <clears> his, <throat> with the zone blocking plays and everything like that. Because they, they only have three down linemen. Yeah, so yeah. You'll get uh, some double teams. Right. So, I you know, I think it's an important matchup for sure. And I know if, the, if, the, if those in offensive linemen, particularly the interior offensive linemen, you know, I, I think they probably read their press clippings a little more little too much the, the the tackles played fine last week but the interior lineman did not and i think it's a great opportunity for like vance vice to use the depth that he that he's got um you know put austin cannon in there put zach coit in there put brian hudson in there and let those starters know that hey if you have an off game, these guys are perfectly capable of taking your place. Silas Janzi played well when Tanuda was out. That's right. Right? So th- that's the advantage of depth. Like, I think the offensive line for Tech will play better this week. Yes. And because I, I bet Vance Vice in practice has probably rotated more guys in w- with the first string. And because they are better than what they played last week. Right, right, and because they are better. And it's one thing if you're a starter and a coach does that and you know the coach is – just messing with you because that backup is nowhere near as good as you are. But in the case of like Doug Nestor versus Brian Hudson, Brian Hudson's a pretty solid football player, right? So yeah. you do have to worry about that if you're Doug Nestor, if you have a repeat performance. So that that's one of the reasons I think they'll get back on track this week. Quickly, rapid fire, because I want to make sure we've got enough time for questions and, of course, your predictions. Chris, you mentioned the weakness of the Louisville defense. It comes up the middle. If Tech's able to get by Goldwire at Noseguard, two inside linebackers very weak against the run in C.J. Avery and Dorian Etheridge, two of ACC's worst linebackers in run defense mm-hmm. and have not been great by the past either. So, Will, it feels like opportunity for Virginia Tech, if they can win the line of scrimmage battle and get to that second level, could be an opportunity to run the football effectively on Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you've got I, their run defense rankings on the back here if you want to talk about that it's a uh, first paragraph on the back uh second from the last line Roger burns and cj avery Roger burns and cj avery ranked 39th and 40th and excuse 40? me burns is an outside linebacker actually not an inside linebacker but you get the so 39th and 40th among 47 acc linebackers in run defense grades. and as an aside ashby and dax rank 42nd and 46th so this game is going to be filled with the linebackers who have not been good against the run this year. <laughs> so and this year. as an aside, Rajay Burns is a six foot, two hundred fifteen pound outside linebacker for Louisville, who is also their punt returner, and has been for three years. For three years now. So think about like if Chamari Connor was Virginia Tech's punt returner. Yeah, how, weird. How you don't weird see that. that you don't see it a lot at all. I bet, I bet he was a running back in high school. Had to have been. Man. Yeah. yeah. At that at that size, that's good running back yep. size. So uh, I forgot what the question was, Evan. Just that it feels like Virginia Tech might have a chance run to run the ball well if they can win the uh, the uh, win in the trenches up front. Yeah, I, it, we talked in the last podcast about recency bias that you think the team that that you see this weekend is going to be the same one you saw last weekend, positive or negative. 
You know, uh, they Virginia Tech just didn't run the football last week like they usually do. We didn't, they didn't get the blocking and the room for Khalil Herbert to work. And I just I just think you'll see that this weekend. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to rush for 300 yards, but I think you'll feel better about the running game. Storyline of the week on the defense, real quick. I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it was in the secondary. Cornerback Keetrell Clark, sophomore, who is a transfer from Liberty, who has been uh, one of the best corners that Louisville's had all year. He's from Midlothian, Virginia. Picked the Flames over a host of small programs, as you mentioned in your game preview, Chris. So last week we saw, you know, I, I don't think we talked about it a ton. And I don't know if it got the way, you know, the uh, attention. But Boogie Basham was from Northside High School, Southwest Virginia. Went to Wake Forest, and and here's a guy who was doesn't look like, according to the article, he was recruited by Virginia Tech. So nah. you just wor- you you wonder just a storyline to follow this week of another yeah. person that's probably hungry to play the Hokies. Never, never. I don't know if I ever watched his high school tape. Five ten, one hundred sixty five pounds, very small by cornerback standards. Uh, so it's one of those things like you play the percentages. Like you might look at a guy's tape and think, oh, that guy's a really good football player, but he's so small. Uh, so it's and, like and who well, it's, to, it's it's like two two Atwell was five nine one fifty coming out of high school. Yeah, right? who's going to recruit that? So he has like two offers, and he like Louisville and some and like a bad program. I think was only see two that's where Virginia Tech thought they were getting when they recruited Khalil Pimpleton. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And then they didn't. Although he he's having he a did good pretty well at Central uh, Michigan. Yeah. Central Michigan. Yeah. But but like if you recruit a hundred fifty pound football player. Eight out of ten times, nine out of ten times is not going to work. Yeah. Right. And so, like, Atwell, it worked. And Cottrell Clark is 165 now. He was probably in the 155 range coming out of high school. And you don't offer that if, like, why would you? Right. And, and because if you play the percentages, chances are it's not going to work out, but it's worked out. Uh, with, with those guys. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some it, of their best players are under 200 pounds. Their quarterback, their running back, their top receiver, and their top corner. Yeah, and 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 maybe that's why they're not as good week to week as you think they ought to be. Maybe that's part of it. They're, they're just they're – just, Maybe they're banged up because they just don't have the size. Yeah. So well, I wasn't trying to knock for not recruited, just thinking storyline, you know, sure. again, just two weeks of just well, there, uh, there's, state there's, ties. Well, and, that storyline was going to happen this week or next week, either way, if yeah. he'd stayed at Liberty, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's a, so that's there, a there's, there's two kinds of, kinds of guys you hate losing from the state of Virginia. You hate losing the top-level recruits. And you hate losing the under the radar guys that turn out to have good careers somewhere else. Uh, I, hate, I hate what had happened with Boogie, with Boogie Basham because you know he's got a cousin obviously that played at Tech. Third cousin. Third cousin. Uh, and Basham's such a good football name, right? Yeah. Boogie Basham, defensive end from Virginia Tech. God, our fans would love that, wouldn't they? But like, like when he was recruited, like I watched his high school tape. The, the first thing is like, for the Tech scheme at the time, he did not seem like any kind of a fit at all. And if, you know, you want, I mean, tech fans want tech to take the local guys, but then if it doesn't work out, you go back and say, well, you were all over me to take him and he just wasn't a fit. That's not my fault. Right. (laughs) So he didn't look like a schematic fit for tech's old system. Uh, But he is a very, he'd be a great schematic fit for this Mm -hmm. current system. Unfortunately, timing, man. You know, it's a good trait to have with the schematic fit. I would say that grit is a good trait to have. Proud so partner this, of the Tech Sideline podcast and sponsor here at Tech Sideline. Will and I throw on the hats real quick. Will, where can you get great grit gear? What you want to do, what you want to do, Evan, is you want to go to Tech Sideline and you want to select the more menu, our sponsors, and find them down there. 
Now, y'all better get on it because their sponsorship expires at the end of this month. This is their last podcast sponsoring. So, And it's almost the end of the month. We get to keep the hats, though. Fantastic. And, and, the, and the face mask. And the face mask. Yep. So many thanks to uh, Grit for their sponsorship. And uh, that's where you find their stuff. All right, so time for game predictions, and then I promise we will get to your questions on YouTube Live. We are at the hour four mark, so running a little long, but a great podcast nonetheless. Episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I'm going to ask you guys for your game predictions. I always do. All I'm going to say is this. Here is how Chris started his uh, final thoughts column (laughs) of his game preview. Quote, heck, I don't know. (laughs) And here is how Will Stewart's take started. Quote, this one is really a crapshoot. Yes. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Who wins and what's the final score? I picked it 34-27 Virginia Tech. I could easily pick it 34-27 Louisville. Right. Um, you know, I'm 3-2 and two in picking games, but even in the games I've picked correctly, it didn't exactly go how I thought they were going to go, with the exception of the UNC game, but even that was higher scoring than I thought, I thought right. it would be. Um, so, you know, at this point, I mean, on paper, the numbers say this should be in the 30s or low 20s, maybe in in the in this case low uh, for one of the teams. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just I don't want to pick like some totally like off the wall number, but I want to pick something that okay. The numbers say this could be a fair reflection of what the score is going to be so i've landed on 34 27 and that's as good a guess as any just looking at the numbers but i mean i certainly would not take that bet and go to las vegas no no this is not a game to bet on at all in my opinion so i just flat went on the message board this morning after the game preview was posted and i said here's how i'm going to pick every game the rest of the way (laughs) you know there'll be exceptions like clemson I'm going to pick Virginia Tech to score in the high 30s and the opponent to score in the low to mid 30s. I'm just going to do this every time out because until you start to see otherwise, like what if Virginia Tech's defense goes out and holds Louisville to 17 points? Then maybe I'll start to change that viewpoint. The pit game might be different than that. Yeah, but, well, let's not drill down. Cross that bridge when we get there. Um, So I'm I'm looking at the – so we always include polls at the end of our preview articles and – and last week, a uh, so you got four choices. Tech wins by 11 plus. Tech wins by one to 10. The opponent wins by one to 10. Or the opponent wins by 11 plus. And last week, in the first two categories with Tech winning, 93% of the people thought that Tech was going to beat Wake Forest. And maybe that explains the reaction a little bit. Yeah, it does. It does. I had that thought when I watched it this morning, yeah. when I looked at that this morning. And uh, uh, this week, so far, there's only 390 votes because the preview hadn't been out that long, but you've got uh, only 64% of fans picking Tech to win. Right. So part of that is that recency bias, and part of it is respect for what Louisville can do offensively. Mm-hmm. But I just I just thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, it was interesting that like we p- both picked a really, really close game. And if you're p- predicting a really, really close game, you're basically admitting that it could go either way, right? Yeah. But, but still 93% of Tech fans thought, thought Tech was going to win. And how many of them thought Tech was going to win by double digits? Against Wake Forest? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, 49%. So basically half the people, Half the fan right. base thought Tech was going to win by 10 <laughs> and plus. That goes back so to so the they read our whole preview and we were like, huh. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I just jumped down here to vote. <laughs> I didn't read what you had to say. So Chris has it, Virginia Tech, 34, Louisville, 27. Will Stewart, what say you? 35-31, Virginia Tech. And I'm going Virginia Tech, 38, Louisville, 35. I, I think 
Like you said, mid 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 to upper thirties oh. for Virginia Tech every week, and then the defense to give up maybe so high twenties. I'll 30. take any win, however I can get. That's it a, that's year. the same score as the twenty eleven Miami game, thirty eight thirty five, when that's Tech right. could not stop Miami after a certain point. I typically and, don't make predictions, and last week I felt very confident that the winner of the Tech Wake Forest game, based off of all the prep and the research we did, I was like, oh, what are this game's going to put up low fifties? I was expecting right? a shootout, and I'm sitting there watching that game and said. Uh, this is why I ask the questions and they give the, uh, no, the analysis. I, you know, I've so. never picked a game score correctly in 15 years of writing our game. I've years. picked a few. You've picked you a couple of two, them. Two I can think of right yeah. off the top of my head. The season opener against Alabama. Alabama. I right. picked 35 to 10, and Alabama won it 35 to 10. And, of course, the famous one is the belt ball against Arkansas, where I picked 35 to 24. <laughs> and it was 24 nothing, right? It was 24 nothing at a half. And, and at the moment at which Arkansas went up 24 nothing, I tweeted out, well, it's twenty-four to nothing. I picked thirty-five to twenty-four. You know what needs to happen from here on out, <laughs> and then it happened. One of your crazy. greatest tweets of all time. Well, it, well the great, I'll, I'll never top that. Bro, um, no, no, yeah, you should have retired from Twitter. Then I should have quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you don't know. It's like I'd always do so much research and try to get it as right as possible, and I've never picked it dead on. Really, you never, never. You'd figure you'd just blunder into yeah, you, it. Awesome. I, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blunder into it. Uh, like for the rest of this season, it's it's gonna be. I'm just going to be grasping at straws, and watch of, of all years. This will be this will this will be the one I actually the COVID year. Yeah, exactly. Let's turn it over to our uh, our faithful viewers on YouTube Live. Hour nine minutes in the podcast. Thanks for patiently waiting. Let's go ahead and turn it over to the V. You, you can best. only ask yes or no questions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We can really get to some questions there. <laughs> just yes or no, Malcolm Stewart. What's happening? <laughs> All right, we'll start with Andrew Rosso. What are the chances of Tech playing spoiler to Clemson this year, and how could that help in Fuente's recruiting? Uh, I mean, uh, they're if by, if by, GPA. Well, uh, that's an interesting question. Like, it's not impossible. Yeah. Because, like, 2020 is is you never know what's going to happen. Well, when's, no, the, when's the last time Clemson lost a regular season game? Uh it, was that Syracuse? It, probably it was Syracuse or Pitt. Didn't Pitt beat them one year? I think Pitt beat them one year. But Chris I think Blewett had a game-winning field oh, goal from Northern Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> really? I yep. didn't know that part. Yep, sure I, was. Yeah. I always dreamed as a commentator to say Blewett, Blewett. That yeah. was always kind of like something I was hoping for. I want. I want to say it was Syracuse that year up in up in the dome, and yeah. then Syracuse gave him a hard time the next year and almost beat him. Right. And right. Car- Carolina. Carolina. But, but, but you're talking about 2017. So Clemson. If that's right, I don't. You can look that. You can. Look I think it up they've better. won twenty high twenties straight ACC games in a so, row. So law of averages, buddy. Law Excellent. of averages. They got to lose one at one point. Uh, so I don't think it's likely. But here's here's the thing. Like the more Clemson wins between now and then, just I think the chances of Tech actually pulling that upset go up because they got to lose at some point. They're not going to be a UCLA and win eighty eight. Right. ACC, right. You know, right. UCLA now, now the the, 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 the thing is, I don't think they're going to lose the week before the ACC championship with with, with an opportunity to go to the playoffs, assuming yeah. there are playoffs and things like that. If you're going to get them, it's going to be some random September or October game. I think. Yeah. When they're That's just kind of sleepy, uh, but they're they're I think they're too close to that end goal at that point to have a let up. Um, so I don't think it's very likely, but it's 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 not impossible. At Syracuse in the Carrier Dome on Friday, October thirteenth, 
um, in 2017. Friday nights on a carrier dome, buddy. No, that's, How, that's, that sounds awful. That's doing some scheduling. That's and then the year there. before, they lost on a game-winning field goal from Chris Blewett, and they lost 43 to 42 to Pittsburgh. To Pitt, yeah. So those are the How did they've Pitt lost 43 points against them. I know. Clemson uh, has only lost two regular season games since 2016. To ACC yeah. or regular season? Regular so, season, uh, non-conference qu- or ACC. The question was, how much could that improve Virginia Tech's recruiting? Okay, well, how much did it improve Pitt's recruiting and Syracuse's recruiting? How much did Tech beating Ohio State improve Tech recruiting? Now, that I was think, at the end of the Beamer era. But generally speaking, winning one game does nothing to you when it, when yeah, it comes I'm, to I recruits. Don't, I'm not. Uh, re- recruits don't pay attention nearly as much as people think. Let me give you an example. I've got a friend who runs a store in Blacksburg, and – sometimes recruits and their families come in when they're on their visits and things like that. So he's around them. Not so much these days because there's not as many guys visiting, but there was a a few years ago, one of tech's recruits, the guy had already signed with tech comes in the store and I forget the exact quote of the kid, but basically the kid asked the question, are we in the same division as Clemson? Like this was a guy who, had already signed with Virginia Tech and had no idea who was in the Atlantic and who was in the Coastal Division. My point is, these recruits don't pay nearly as much attention as you think. Right. So. And and not not to criticize the question, but uh, um, the, the outcome of a single game just doesn't move the needle that much in recruiting. Recruiting is a relationship that is months long and mm. years long. And a, and a thing that happens on one given day. So you, you also have to ask the question, uh, the flip side of that question is, do you think that the lost awake force lost Virginia Tech a bunch of recruits? No, I don't. Right. I don't think the flip side either. So I, I just want to say, I mean, Clemson, I mean, they've always been good. But Trevor Lawrence, I think we will look back at him playing in Lane Stadium the way we think, oh, remember when Brett Favre played in Lane Stadium? Yeah. Remember, I mean, the guy's going to be special for the New York Jets. Next Didn't question. Tech beat Southern Miss in Lane they, Stadium? They did, I believe, yes. So, yeah. Might want to, in terms of great quarterbacks that have played <laughs> okay. Lane Stadium. All right. Anyway, next question. All right, we're running long, so we'll do one more from Stay Strong One Hundred and One. Not football related, but when will the podcast for basketball season start? <laughs> well, we there's, there's, there's been no media event. No, we. Uh, there I is was, no schedule. I, we were told two weeks ago. I was told two weeks ago that the schedule was coming out two weeks ago, and then I was told last week that the schedule was coming out last week. Neither happened. So I don't know when the schedule is going to get released, so I can't make plans for any future coverage for Virginia Tech basketball. And in all seriousness, um, you know, typically our basketball coverage would occur during a football off week, a bye week. There are none. Oh, yeah, there is. Thanksgiving week, which is when basketball season starts. Yay, I thought I was going to get a week off during the season. No. Okay. Um, (laughs) So anyway, don't know. So to be honest with you, like – we run so much content that like, I don't know actually know how I would have time to write a season. If the, if basketball season started next week, I don't know how I would have time to write a season preview this week, right? So it might not be until that bye week, the week of the basketball season starts until I write like a basketball we, preview We will article. probably need to outsource that to one of the students. Maybe. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I'll look, for, look forward to basketball but coverage. It was a great we'll video. Have, we'll have a better idea when – the schedule was released. I, I haven't even posted a roster on Tech Sideline. I don't think it's up. It's up on HokieSports.com, but I haven't. I haven't put one up on Tech right. Sideline. So well, uh, 
let me close with this because I always have Twitter open for podcasters in case any Virginia Tech news breaks. Here's the news I'll leave with you. I know both of you enjoy the 70s sports uh, Twitter account. Of course. Love it. And uh, what if I told you that a Major League Baseball team has hired a manager who managed in the 70s as their manager for 2021? What? That is the news that is broken on Twitter. I'm that the to, Chicago like, White Sox. I, I want you to get. I'm trying I was, to like who, who, what manager from the '70s is still, still alive. alive. We're, we're taking we're, big names here. I'm going to give you guys a guess. This it was 1979 for the record. Okay, when he so managed barely this in the team. '70s, but still. This person is 76 years old. Last managed in 2011, the Chicago White Sox have hired Tony Larusa as their Whoa, new manager. He's okay. that old? How about he that? is 76 yeah, yeah. years old, and he yeah. managed the White Sox from 1979. To 1986. So, wow, that's the news. The closed podcast. Nothing to do with Virginia Tech, but that is wow. what's trending on Twitter. So, there you have it. All right. Um, quickly, make sure you're following Tech Sideline at Tech Sideline Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you're following Will and Chris on Twitter to have tweets during the game. Um, do you have Friday Q and A tomorrow on TechSideline.com? As usual. Fantastic. Now, Malcolm, before we leave, has anyone noticed that Evan did not button his collars down on his shirt? No? I'm the only one who noticed? Mm -mm. I don't typically do the top button. No, I'm not talking about the top button. I'm talking about the, sorry, the... uh, He said collars. The collar. You're right. My wife, see, that's why you got to get married. You don't walk out of the house like that. You know what's funny? (laughs) So this is a shirt I haven't worn a long time. I had my roommate help me. I was actually really struggling getting this button today, and I I was like, oh, my gosh, my mom would be so disappointed in me. (laughs) Well, now she knows. So your your roommate was on top of you and didn't notice that the collar is I'm going to blame this. Drew Clawbert, who's watching right now, we got to have a chat. (laughs) Uh, Gosh, well, thanks for calling me out on that. But uh I'll be better on Monday. Now it's all fixed for the last 15 seconds. There we go. But for the for the sign-off, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe, please. And uh, I will do better on Monday. <laughs> with my collars. <laughs> with my collars all fixed. All right. Uh, good Lord, Evan. All right. It must be the end of the show. Uh, you, you have got to learn to handle the stuff that just comes out of nowhere, man. It's part of developing. as, as yes. And you do a good job. But I do that stuff to you on purpose because I care about your education. I, I appreciate that. I have a story for another podcast of uh, of me and a We'll save that. We'll table that for another time. Anyways, thanks so much, uh, everybody, for watching. And how about Mr. Strong for watching today and commenting? So. Uh, appreciate uh, him Dorian is the greatest football player ever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, that'll do it for us. Episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Episode 146 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you on Monday morning, breaking down Louisville and Virginia Tech.